Once more, I want to talk to you about the last days, but only in relationship to Abraham at the moment. I'd like very much to hold to this man because he's the most important of men in Scripture. That may sound strange, uh, but I have to tell you that Paul is in a secondary place. John and Peter are all in secondary places, even though they are the great apostles of Jesus Christ. For to neither Paul nor John nor Peter nor to any of these men was the promise made that in their seed all the nations of the earth should be blessed. But to this one man that promise was made. And so he becomes the standout man of all Scripture. To the Jew, you, as we read that this morning, it should be apparent to you that God is doing tremendous things. Uh, to the Jew, of course, Abraham is the key, the father. Moses is the lawgiver. To the Arab, to the... Koran, the Mohammedan Bible, Abraham is their father. A hundred and eight times he's mentioned as their father. In the New Testament, I believe, I forget how many times he's mentioned, but time and again, he's the great Old Testament prophet who's mentioned more than anybody else. Because everything depends upon this one man. It's an amazing thing, yet this is the way God always has to work, you see. God always works through a man. And Abraham was the man to whom the promises were made. Paul makes it clear when he gets to Galatians. He said, and God made the promise to Abraham, not of seeds, but of one seed. And that seed was Jesus Christ. So that Jesus said, as I said last week in John, the fourth chapter, ye know not what we, you worship, but we know, because salvation is of the Jews. You see? So here is this, this great man, Abraham, and uh, beginning from the very beginnings of Genesis, we see the whole thing working out so gloriously by our God. He chooses the one man. His father, a pagan. Terah. It doesn't mention his mother, if I might say that. Now his mother, it could be, worshipped the true God. I do not know. But I do know that Terah's household was filled with idols. It's clear in the scripture that that was so. And Terah is Abraham's father. Jewish law says that Abraham was an unusual boy. That he became conscious at a very early age that although he lived in a pagan household, that there was one true God and he was seeking that one 
through God. They that seek me shall truly find me. And he had come down through that glorious lineage that became, that started with Shem. We could trace it back to Adam, but starting at the flood, Ham, Shem, and Jacob. And he was of the lineage of Shem, which if you read in Matthew and Luke, is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. And so Abram, he was born, Abram, remember you, because I mentioned last week, when his name was changed to Abraham, he was between 90 and 100 years of age, and Abraham meant the father of many nations, and this man laughed to himself. How could this thing be with a man my age? It's ridiculous, you see. But you know how we read there? Could Abraham notice? Though his body yet being dead, he considered it not impossible to God to do what he had promised. Isn't that wonderful? Aren't you aware? Boy, I tell you, I tingle when I think of how when God promises something, he keeps it. He keeps it. And here is this man uh, in this pagan household seeking out the true God. And God already in the councils of history past, of all eternity past, has seen the coming of this boy, Abram. To a father, Terah. He had two brothers. He had a brother, Haran, and a brother, Nahor. Haran died. His son was Lot. Uh, Nahor apparently didn't care to go with Abram when the promises were given to him. Let me read the promise and then we can talk about it. Genesis 12, I'm going to begin there again once more because the promises are to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And every single thing, beloved, you would not be saved without this. Remember that. Your salvation depends entirely upon the seed which was to come, which should bless all the nations of the earth. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, notice his name is not changed yet, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee, number one, a great, ble a great nation. Number two, I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curses thee. And in thee... Well, let's read it together. In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So there's no blessing without Abraham. Amazing, amazing, amazing truth. Now, God directed the man to leave his country and his family and his kindred. And as I said last week, that. You know, those wonderful words of Martin Luther, if I could just mention them again, because they're so blessed. Martin Luther says, Now there follows in this portion of Scripture that great promise of God which ought to be written in golden letters and proclaimed in all the lands of the earth and for which we ought to be on our knees praising God 
and glorifying him that the seed Christ is coming. F.B. Meyer says something that thrills me. I don't know how many of you have ever read F.B. Meyer, but he thrills me when he speaks. He says uh, this was in the mid-1800s. He was a great stalwart of the faith. He said, despair not for the future of the world. Sounded like a prophet today. We need this, don't we? Huh? Hey, you've been despairing, have you? Oh, man, I tell you. If you, if you went by the newspapers and all you listen, uh, I, you know, I, I'm not an economist, but I do have a family. And all I know is that if you go $30 billion in the hole in a year, you've got to pay it some way. I don't know when payday is. There's a message been written by one of the great preachers of the gospel down south, Payday. And I've often thought, I wonder when Payday is really going to come for this nation. As little families, you know, can we spend ourselves into prosperity? This is a new economic system. And as I said, I don't know much about it, and I guess they got to do it. But all I know that people are despairing. Despairing. And I couldn't help but notice this in the Long Island Press this week. The world's running out of time. It's running out of time. It says, time and again, I come across this notion that society is on the brink of possible crucial failure. And it reminds us that crisis after crisis appears, nuclear, population explosion, ecological, economical, and unless man, listen, unless mankind learns rapidly much more about his own behavior and then takes drastic steps to plan his future, absolute annihilation is assured. But I have a line down here which really, this really got me. Oh, look ahead. Computers will have to come to the rescue. <laughs> Now, with all due respect to the computer men in the congregation, <laughs> if I had to depend on computers to fix the world up, I'd be in sad, sad shape this morning. But to continue with what F.B. Meyer said, he said, despair not for the world's future. Souls are being trained in the bosom of the Sanhedrin. Luther's are being trained in the cloisters of the Papal Church and the Vatican. It's true. There are Luther's right now in the Roman Church. And then he says, and Abraham's under the shadow of great heathen temples are coming forth. God knows, he says, where to find a man when he needs one. And so this Abraham, Abram, if I might say, as he left Ur of the Chaldees, certainly faced tremendous things. He had three great promises from God that God was going to give him a great nation, God was going to bless him, God was going to protect him, 
and in his seed should all the nations of the earth be blessed. It was a personal promise. He was going to be called a friend of God. Now, if there's anything I'd like to be called, it would be the friend of God. Oh, it's great to be his son. But I want to tell you something. It's more wonderful when a son is a friend with his father. I know lots of sons and daughters are not friends with their fathers and their mothers. But it's a wonderful thing to be the friend of God. The friend of God. And so he had the national promise of a nation that should come forth and then the universal promise in thy seed should all the nations of the earth be blessed. The promises were made to Abraham, they were made to Isaac, and they were made to Jacob, to these three men that it should be blessed this way. Turn over to 22, if you would, with me. And I'm going to use the scripture with you just to make sure that we have this clear. 22, 17, and 18. Here's Abraham again. And here's God speaking. In blessing I will bless thee. And in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven. And as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gates of their enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. Turn over to 26, 3 and 4. Here is the promise to his son according to the promise Isaac, born of Sarah when Sarah was long beyond the age of bearing children, 90 years of age. Abraham is 100. He's the miraculously born son of a normal, natural relationship, not like Jesus Christ, born of the Holy Spirit of Mary, but a miraculously born son. Third verse, 26th chapter. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and I will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father, and I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven and will give unto thy seed all these countries and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And then to the 28th chapter, and this is the one to Jacob. This is the son now of Isaac. You know, it's a strange thing how God works. You know, there is a law which, although we may not know about it in this land too much, but there is a law and always has been a law in Israel which is called primogeniture. This law meant that to the firstborn son, the inheritance always went. He was the prime one. Primogenitor. But God never did things according to nature. Isn't it amazing that with Adam, there was Cain and Abel, and who does God choose? Seth, the last born one. Is there. Isn't it amazing that with Abram, he doesn't choose the child of the flesh, Ishmael, 
But he chooses Isaac, the child of promise. Isn't it amazing that when it comes to Isaac, Esau is born first and then Jacob, but Jacob is chosen. So that God's saying to us, I never do things according to the natural way. I always do those things which in my divine sovereignty will lead to your salvation through that seed which should come. And though the devil may slay Abel through Cain, and though time and again Satan may attempt to stop the seed from coming, and time and again did he attempt it, may I tell you this, that do you know that the Herod that was on the throne when Pontius Pilate <coughs> caused Jesus Christ, washed his hands, and caused him to, put to be put to death. It tells us in the gospel that Pontius Pilate went and saw Herod. And Herod said, ah, it doesn't make any difference. Do what you want with him. But Herod's mother was an Ishmaelite and Herod's father was out of Esau, Edomite. So that even here the flesh was trying to kill the seed which was Jesus Christ. And so see the promise to Jacob. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac the land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it into thy seed, and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south, and in thee, and in thy seed shall what? All the families of the earth be blessed. Now do you understand why it says salvation is of the Jews? Abraham comes out of paganism, seeks God, finds God, and God, what does it tell you in the portion in Romans we read this morning? It said, when was Abraham saved? When was Abraham redeemed? When he was circumcised or uncircumcised? He says, when he was uncircumcised. No right, he says, could save the man. Do you think baptism can save you? No human right performed by a man can save a man's soul. He says he received that faith when he was in uncircumcision. Why is God making sure we understand that? Because if we don't understand that, we don't understand anything. Because as a matter of fact, when Abraham received the seal of circumcision and was circumcised, which separated him unto God completely, and then gave him the promise that the seed should come. It was there. He had already given him this promise. And also that a great nation should come forth. This was the seal upon it. What did Abraham know about the name Israel? Nothing. Jacob's name, his grandson, was changed to Israel. And the nation came forth of the twelve great tribes. But when Abraham was circumcised, he circumcised his son Ishmael. 
And the Arabs are circumcised people. So that if circumcision were to save, then the Arabs and the Jews would be in the same covenant. But they're not. Because God said, cast out the bondwoman and her child, which is the child of the flesh, Ishmael, because my promise and my covenant is only with Isaac, who is the child of promise. I promised him to you, and Sarah shall have a child, and out of that child a seed shall come. And then it was to Jacob, and then to Judah, and then down through David, and down to Jesus Christ. And so God makes sure that we understand. And in Galatians, that fourth chapter there, he puts that great allegory, and he says, remember now, he says, the child of the flesh was not part of the covenant. What is he saying? Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But the child of promise was Isaac, and he's the one and he was miraculously born. Although it was a fleshly birth. And you, Christian, have to be miraculously born again. But it is a spiritual birth. Without a miraculous birth, there is no redemption. And so Isaac and uh, his wife, Beloved, oh, when we think of the fact that Abraham and Sarah, number one, Sarah was barren. Isaac and Rebekah, Rebekah was barren. Jacob was a miracle child. We seem to forget these things. Miraculously born in the flesh. Who today? Show me somebody who's 100 years old having a child with a wife, 90. <coughs> Don't let anybody tell you the years are different. They're not one bit different. Abraham lived to be 175 years of age. I believe in the millennial kingdom. It says, and a child of 100 years of age, if that child should die, it would be a child 100 years of age. I believe when the millennial kingdom comes upon this earth of a thousand years, there are going to be people who are born in it and will live the thousand years. Just as Methuselah revolved. That's the kind of a kingdom that's coming. And these are the kind of promises that God has made. Now may I just take a few little lessons so that we can understand this. And unless you understand this, you're missing the whole point. The millennial kingdom is to be a return to the pristine kingdom of God. The fruit tree shall bear fruit 12 times a year on the earth. The lion shall lay down with a lamb. And you'll have no need of DDT or pesticides. Ecology will be perfect. There'll be pure water. This is the kingdom that man is looking for. This is that which God speaks of as yet coming upon the face of this earth, you see. A thousand-year reign of Christ sitting on his throne and this earth completely as God wants it to be. Satan chained. 
And this earth a place where man can have that ecology that we're so much talking about. Do you know that this earth, this world we live in, this earth is encased? It's not something that is not encased. It's atmospherically encased. The pollution that we set off do not escape into the universe. There is a ceiling upon the earth. All scientists warn us of that. That's why the ecology in New Hampshire is affected by the ecology in New York. That's why the ecology of the whole earth is being affected because we are encased. Somebody thinks that the gas fumes go up to Mars. Well, I'm sorry to tell you. Mars doesn't need it anyway. But we're encased, and we're looking to a kingdom which is to come in which Christ shall reign upon the face of this earth and be the king of kings and the lord of lords and the only high potentate over all the earth. And every promise in Isaiah and every promise in Romans is to be brought forth. He says the, in Romans 8, he says, all creation, isn't that great? Read it. All creation is waiting. What for? For the manifestation of the sons of God. And even we ourselves are waiting for the redemption of our body. What a glory, what a beauty there is to this. To know that God has his purposes for you and for me. And you know, I couldn't help but think when I thought of Abram and how the little beginnings, how he left his family and he left his kindred and he left his father and he left his mother. And uh, what a blessing was that lonely journey of Abraham. I can picture his brother Nahor, he didn't go with him. Harry and Doc, that was the other brother, and Lot went with him. He had trouble with Lot. But Nahor stayed behind. And I can imagine Nahor, his brother, saying, listen, this place we're living in, what do you want to go out there for to no place? You tell us that God is calling you to some place, and when we ask you where, you say, I don't know where I'm going. He says, why don't you stay here? Why, the excavations, as I said last week, show that Europe, the Chaldees, where Abram lived, was a tremendously wonderful place. But here Abram takes hold, God speaks to his heart and says, I want you, Abram, I want you to go and I want you to leave. But beloved, I want to say, nothing strengthens a man's character or a, a, a woman's character, a girl or boy's character so much as to be thrown upon our own resources. You know what I mean? He goes out all by himself. He, he delayed himself. Fifteen years, terror had to die. That was a shame. He waited till his father died. God had told him to go. And he delayed for 15 years practically before he went because his father, after his father died, he left. But how wonderful it is to be cast upon your own resources. Sometimes if our young people today had been cast upon their own resources and had not had silver spoons in their mouth, we'd have something different. And being cast upon your own resources. 
My father and mother died when I was 17 years of age and my brother was 15. Just a quick thing. Cast upon our own resources completely. Nothing. What did we do? Well, we had a little apartment together, all by ourselves. You think it got us discouraged, my brother and I? I praise God he's with the Lord now. He got saved, I praise God through that. I got saved first. And it wasn't through me he got saved, he got saved through his daughter. I talked to him until I was blue in the face about Christ and then gave up and just prayed and his daughter went to Word of Life and got saved and got home and told her daddy and her daddy got saved. But he's with the Lord now. But here are 17 and 15 cast upon our own resources, nothing at all, just a little apartment and we did everything for ourselves. You wouldn't believe it, but we baked bread. We cooked. I learned how to do everything. You didn't think we went out there. You drank ourselves to death. Got involved with some culture where there were nothing but problems. No, we worked, came home, and did the normal things. That the kind of sons have been brought up or daughters should be able to do. Abram went out. He was the youngest son. He went out and he went out because God says that the place I want you to go, I'm not telling you where it is. I'm going to put you in a land where you'll be blessed. Your seed is going to bless every nation of the earth. Christ, he didn't know Christ was going to come, but he knew it was in his seed. And then Jesus says of Christ, Abraham, he says, Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced in it. Isn't that great? Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced in him. And so Abram went out, not knowing whither he went, but that God had made great promises to him. Now, it isn't easy to break relationships with families. May I say this? And I want us to get that kind of a lesson to our hearts this morning. It isn't easy to break with families. But oh, to be cast upon our own resources. How often we are in a family, here you young people, you're in a family, Christian mothers and fathers, and you live in a vacuum sometimes. But take that boy or girl and then take them out of that background and if mother and dad have done a good job and you can send them away to college and I want to tell you, when I saw those collegians come home here and bring their testimonies from this pulpit just a few weeks ago at Christmas time on fire for Jesus Christ, collegian after collegian after collegian, then listen to my high school kids giving a testimony for Jesus Christ, I want to say something, beloved. I want to say that their background was what it should be. And they were cast upon their own resources, these college people, and many a father and mother in this congregation are amazed right now at what they see in their sons and their daughters when they come back from college on fire for Christ. Let me quote someone else on this. As long as the bird lingers by the nest, it will not know the luxury of flight. 
As long as the trembling boy toes the bottom of the ocean, he can't know the ecstasy of battling against the waves. As long as a man insists on clinging to the material, he'll never know or appreciate the reality of the promises of God. Listen, it's not easy to give our children up. And I can just picture this morning, I'm sure that as I think of Gary and Muriel and Howard and, and Betty and John and Needed, Healy and uh, the Michelsons, I want to tell you it's not easy when you go to that plane or you go to that boat side. Abram left his family, remember, his kindred. He turned his back on it all and his brother Nahor probably said, you are mad. So leave that all behind you. You've got everything you want. Look at the nice family you've got. Look at everything you have. Why don't you stay home? You don't have to go out there. And Abram says, but God's called me and I'm going out. But I want to tell you, it's not easy. And even with all the promises we have and all the faith we have and all of the joy we have in Jesus Christ, when a mom and dad go down and they stand at that plane or they stand at that boat side and they see that son and that daughter get on a boat going away to serve Jesus Christ and knowing it may be one year, it may be five years before they'll see their faces again, and it may be they'll never see their faces again this side of heaven. It's not easy. God never said it would be. But all God is calling us to is faithfulness. And if there's anything I'd pray for you as mothers and dads, it's that you'd have this kind of fire in your heart and your sons and daughters would love you so deeply and so fervently in Jesus Christ. And you will have imparted to them the kind of faith that when the day comes, if God should call any of them to serve him, when you go down and you see them off as a dad or a mother, You'll be able to throw your arms around them and kiss them. And be able to say, son, daughter, if I never see you again this side of the grave, this side of heaven, I want you to know I loved you and I prayed for this. And I'm joyous in Christ. What a way to send them away. Abram depended upon the promises of God. Missing father and mother, are you depending upon the promises of God? I have young folks come to me, heartbroken. Fathers and mothers object. I see the light is flashing, been flashing. But I, you saw me get this letter here this morning. I can't say the name, but here, this will give you an idea. This is from one of the girls in this congregation. She's at college. When she was home, she testified for Christ. Her mother and dad threw her out of the house. She said, Satan has been attacking me about this whole situation, but praise God, Jesus is seeing me through. He's upholding me, particularly through the love concern and prayer of my Christian brothers and sisters in Christ. 
Thank God for these brothers and sisters. Pastor, I don't know whether you remember. Maybe you will remember. It was dark in the congregation. But you know the night we had the living pictures up here? I was sitting there. Maybe some of you remember. I never saw that, you know. In the middle of it, a girl came down the side aisle, tapped me on the shoulder, and asked me, would I please come outside? This is a girl. She had just been thrown out of her home. Pastor, I spoke to her and I told her what I wanted her to do. I've written my parents one very long letter and I intend to keep writing them letters just to let them know I still love them and I want to be their daughter. I have a prayer request. Two men from the InterVarsity Fellowship, of which I'm a part, the Christian Fellowship, are going to go and speak with my parents because they have now consented to at least listen. Pastor, pray that these men reach out in Jesus to my parents, that the Holy Spirit will prepare their hearts to make room for Jesus to be their Lord. All things work together for good to them that love God. I'm taking that on faith, unwavering faith, as in James. And I want a miracle to come of this. With God, all things are possible. Praise Jesus Christ's name. He can be trusted. Thank you, Pastor, for taking the time to talk with me and praying with me that night in his love. It's costing to know Christ. She's thrown on our own resources completely now. All on her own. She's seeking a city whose builder and maker is God. That's what it says about Abram. Look in Hebrews 11. He sought a city whose builder and maker was God. And oh, how I pray some of our young people would get a hold of Jesus Christ and really understand what it means to know Jesus. That they get the fire in their hearts, that mothers and fathers would encourage. And I know that though those here who have their children on mission fields miss them, I don't doubt that. And those little thoughts came to your hearts, I know this would be normal. Oh, I wish they could stay home with me for a little while. Well, I wish you'd be like Hannah of old when she received Samuel, a gift from God. She prayed for a son. And God gave her Samuel. And when she got Samuel, she looked up to God and she said, Oh, my God, thou hast given me this son, Samuel, and I will lend him to thee as long as he lives. And when you lend your children to God, may I say something? God will return your children to you one day in glory that you may dwell together. I'm calling young people to really serve Jesus Christ, not to the frothy laughing group, not to those who care not for Jesus, those that are born again who really love Christ with all their hearts. I'm calling 
for fathers and mothers who really dedicate their lives to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, if my son or daughter is called, or if even I'm called, you know, it thrills me sometimes. I don't know how many of you knew Pastor Price and his wife down here in the Presbyterian Church down in Valley Street, but he was a good friend of mine. And I'm thrilled, and I'm going to finish with this. He retired just about a year ago. He was over 65 years of age. You know where he is? He's a missionary with his wife down in South America. Serving Jesus Christ. So you're too old? What do you think Steve Rowland did for the last 10 years of his life from 65 to 75? He said, I've won more souls from 65 to 75 than I did in the whole the first 65 years of life. And now where is he? Rejoicing in the presence of Christ and hearing, well done, thou good and faithful servant. What? Enter into what? Thy reward. Oh, listen. Promises, promises, promises. The seed has come. The blessing has been received to the nations. The nations have refused it. But God's promises will not be violated. And one day upon this very earth, he's going to place a kingdom after great tribulation. When little flesh shall live upon the face of the earth, a kingdom will come forth on this very earth where everything will be pure and holy. And he will rule, it says, with a rod of iron. And Satan shall be chained for a thousand years. For God is going to prove himself to mankind that he's the only one that could set the earth alight through his son, Jesus Christ. King of kings, Lord of lords, the only high potentate over all the earth. Is he yours this morning? I pray so. Let us pray. Now, Father, we pray that thy word will sink into hearts this morning. Lord, we've talked about promises and very tender things. And how sometimes it's necessary to leave father and mother and kindred and home, houses and lands. Not knowing whither we're going, but saying, here am I, Lord, send me. Maybe this morning that there's someone here who's like to say, well, I'm a mother of dad and passed again. I just want to raise my hand and say, Pastor, if that's the way it will be with me, I would praise God for it. My mother, my sons and my daughters, if they're that so led, oh, how I would joy of heart, knowing that they're in the army of the Lord. Mothers and dads, just put your hands up, say, pray for me. Mothers and dads, just your willingness, that's all, yes. Your willingness for your children, yes, yes, yes. Praise the Lord. Amen. All over the congregation, mothers and dads, willing, that's all God's looking for, willing for that encouragement to their children to serve our Savior Jesus Christ, whether it be on foreign fields, home fields, or in whatever area of life they call them to, we can be the servants of God right where we work. There's no such thing as having something outside of God's domain. Our businesses are his, the gold and the silver and everything on earth is his. He owns it. 
And so, Lord, we pray that you bless each one. And then, Father, it may be there's some soul this morning who right now in their heart would like to say, I want Christ as my Savior. Lord, I'm not going to ask for a showing of hands. But if there's anyone who'd like to say yes to Jesus, oh, say it now. Don't wait. Say, Lord, I want you as my Savior. You are the seed that should come, the Savior of the world. All nations and all families receive their blessing through you. And I take you as my very own this morning. Not because I want to be a Baptist, but I just want to be a real Christian, that's all. Oh, say that in your heart this morning and speak to Jesus from that heart in Christ's name. Amen.